always say clear is kind. It doesn't mean we need to conform to everybody. We need to be clear about what we're doing as a leader and how we're showing up. It's super important to remember that we, as leaders, we make a commitment to our businesses, to ourselves, to our teams, to continually develop, to continually look at things, to continually evolve and grow and help our people do the same. So it's a responsibility, but it's also it a huge honor. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons. We are the largest law firm in the world with offices in more than 200 locations across 80 countries available to support you everywhere you do business. We're a law firm that embraces change and can help you grow, protect, operate, and finance your organization, which is why Dentons is organized to offer more than just legal insight. We're here to help you find business solutions in a seamless fashion across the globe. Hi everyone, my name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today I'm joined by Ali Stone, founder and CEO of The Inspired Leader. Welcome Ali. Hey Heather, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, have a conversation with you today and dive in a little bit here. Perfect. Well, let's get right into it. And just to set the stage, I would love it if you can give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself. Sure, of course. So, um, well, I have been an entrepreneur my whole life, pretty much. Um, so for the past 17 years, I was wow. a partner with the original Joe's restaurants here in northern Alberta. So 12 locations. Um, and I was also the director of the organization. So I uh, was in charge of leadership development and the culture. Uh, we had on average around 350 team members a year and yeah. an annual revenue turnover of about 35 million. So it was a big undertaking, <laughs> um, yeah. big learning for me in my life. I loved it though. It was uh, an amazing career. It brought me to where I am now. And uh, through that time with Original Joe's, I really became passionate about developing leaders, helping people find their way, and um, just helping people see that there was more to business than just numbers and profit. And I found when we started to lean into that idea, the profits came as a ripple effect, mm. but we had such a better experience at work. And so I was in my little original Joe's bubble and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and I started sharing a little bit of what was going on publicly as far as our culture and our, our developments and our kind of methods. And what I recognized was other organizations, other companies weren't doing it. They were, they were shocked when I started sharing the stories and I started to say, oh, like I thought, I thought everybody else was just <laughs> doing what yeah, you we thought this doing. was obvious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. they had kind of unlocked this key. And so I realized we had something unique going on and I had something unique going on. And so what I really found was that I was really passionate about helping women develop. So when I started with Original Joe's, I was the only woman at the table. Oh. And I remember that was really uncomfortable for me. That was a challenging uh, situation to find my voice, to figure out how to speak up, to how to be a part of a team that was predominantly male driven. Now yeah. I was welcome there, but sure. I was the only woman, right? Yep. And so throughout that 17 years at Joe's, I worked really hard to help women see what was possible for them and give them potential. And so that's how the inspired leader kind of became 
born, I started to get really passionate about finding ways to help women grow in their careers, to see their potential and to really reach those like ultimate levels of success in their life. And so now with the Inspired Leader, I actually do a lot of speaking is what seems to have kind of turned out of it. So I do a lot of conferences and keynotes. Um, I also do leadership development and team workshops. So I'll go into organizations and I'll help them with you know, recognizing that power in their people and leaning into that. And then my real sweet spot is working with women. So I work with female leaders and entrepreneurs and um, I help them in all aspects of their career and their life and just help them really reach that highest potential. And so it's really rewarding. Uh, I feel really grateful every day that I get up and uh, get to go to work. And I feel like I'm very blessed and lucky. So I think that's kind of the Coles Notes version. <laughs> well, a, a Coles story. Notes, a Coles Notes version with uh, like such a gratifying sort of conclusion, right? Like it's great. Not everybody has a job that they love, and those of us that are fortunate to have a job that that uh, we love, um, you know, it's it's great to, as you say, to to go to work and to feel like you're making an impact and um, you know, kind of serving that uh, that purpose. I want to dig a little bit, um, not too much, but I want to dig a little bit on. So, you know, Original Joe's obviously is in the hospitality industry and you spent a lot of time there. And when you when you made the comment about how, you know, you started to realize that there was something unique because you thought that everyone was doing, you know, would think about it the same way that you did. um, And then it was a bit a bit of a shock to realize that, you know, maybe you were coming at it from a a bit of a different perspective. Do you think that. the development of leaders, and and I'm I, I will get to a point, I promise. But do you think that the development of leaders, as you recognize it, as you started to you know to recognize the the patterns and maybe some of the the changes that needed to be made in order to empower those women and to really allow them to take some ownership of their of their trajectory, do you think that that that's particular or specific to the hospitality industry or are there lessons are there applications in in other industries in other words if you hadn't have had the grounding and the background at original joe's in that industry do you think you would have let it would have led you to the same sort of realization and then the next part of that is is there universal and i realize that is a generalization but is there universal application of those lessons or is it quite specific to certain industries or exclusive of certain other industries? Mm, That is such a good question. Like such a good question. So, okay, first of all, (laughs) I think like that just helps people really think about this because this is such an important thing, right? So um, really what I can give you is my perspective, right? And my experience. And so for me, um, you know, I don't believe it's exclusive to hospitality. I don't believe um, this idea of people. Now, hospitality itself is about people. It's about connection. People coming into restaurants, having a good time, facilitating a good time. So we had this environment to build on it. But I will also say that I think I was really lucky in that Here's the thing. This is actually kind of a funny part of the story, but hospitality wasn't my dream. Interesting. <laughs> so my husband and I bought into Original Joe's. I think we were like young. We were like young pups, like 23 or something, signing these deals. Good old not days. even know what we're doing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> As a lawyer, you don't want to know what we did. So anyway, right. <laughs> um, we were signing these deals and we're getting into these restaurants. And, you know, my husband, Chris, was very passionate about restaurants and he wanted to own a restaurant by the time he was 25. And this was like his vision. And I said, like, okay, like, let's do this. We can do this. I'll go on this journey with you. 
but only if we do it differently. Because I had been working in hospitality and the industry generally wasn't known for treating your team members well. Yep. It was unfair labor standards, um, you know, <laughs> really yep. bad best practices, really, at the end of the day. And people were jaded towards the right. industry. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So whatever I do in my life, I want to create work environments that make the world a better place and that make it a better place for the people that are involved. Because really, at the end of the day, we spend so much of our time at work, at work. right? That's right. Yeah. How much time? Like a third of our life, probably. <laughs> it's yep. actually kind of insane. And so that was my like driving mission behind it yep. all. And so that was a really important thing for me because I think it lit a fire under my butt <laughs> and yep. it pushed me to figure it out. And so as I moved into the inspired leader, I was wondering, I was like, are these, are these uh, ideas transferable? Will they work in other industries? Will they, you know, will they uh, create the same impact that they created in that 17 years in original Joe's? And the answer is yes. Interesting. If the leader is open to it. So yep. we have to be open. We have to be willing to try new things. We have to be willing to see the edges of our consciousness and our thinking and willing to stretch that and say, okay, maybe there's a different way of looking at this. Maybe it's not all uh, bottom line P&L members. Maybe this is like actually the intended ripple effect and business is actually about people and what we do and how we show up and how we take care of each other. And so some leaders I've worked with, don't see that. Right. <laughs> and of course, right. And so yeah. it's your own, it's kind of your own personal professional choice. Uh, and I use personal and professional because I really think it's all integrated. How we show up at work affects yeah. our life and our life will affect our work. So yeah. um, it really is the leader or the business, business owner's choice. So I'm not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> not of everybody believes in what I believe in. But yes, it's absolutely transferable. If you want to believe um, or see the possibility or the potential that exists within your people, there is so much impact you can have. And the resulting effect of it is so incredible. It's so fulfilling. It's so beautiful. There's just so many moments, Heather, I could share from like my own career that have just changed my life completely. Yeah, so, yeah that's, that's yeah. great. I want to, um, I, I will soon leave the hospitality uh, focused industry. Mm. So, so just bear with me for one more question. And and the reason why I'm, I'm asking this question is you were in that hospitality industry, like specifically at Original Joe's prior to the pandemic. So you had a, a, a long sort of involvement and I work with a number of entrepreneurs in the hospitality industry or sort of ancillary to maybe they provide some services to that. And the world changed with the pandemic, as we all know, and the hospitality industry was particularly, I, I would say, disproportionately um, affected by the, you know, by the pandemic. And the, the, the entrepreneurs that I work with currently in the hospitality industry have faced, but continue to face immeasurable challenges stemming from the, you know, the pandemic supply chain, like nothing to do with the things that you're talking about, but these external uh, challenges that have uh, impacted them maybe disproportionately to how the pandemic has impacted everybody else. What, what do you, what advice do you have around this leadership and the development of people's potential in the face of the chaos that that industry, and, and I, I'm picking on that industry because you have some familiarity, but also because it is one of the industries I think that has continued to 
um, emerge maybe a little bit more slowly or a little bit more gradually mm -hmm. from the pandemic. And I, I, I wonder about the value of that resilience. I wonder about the value of can you take some leadership steps to maybe position the next chapter for the, you know, for that hospitality group or, or company? How do you, how do you dig deep? What can we do for a, for an industry that maybe is a bit more disproportionately affected? Yeah. Well, first, I will say you are 100% accurate <laughs> in your right. comments about that. I keep saying, like, when is this going to recover? Because, I mean, I'm right. still a partner. I'm just a silent partner. But oh, okay. Yep. It's wild, right? What's happened to the hospitality. The game has changed completely. It has changed. Yep. And so what I want to say is that if you are in the hospitality industry and you didn't see your business from this perspective prior to 2018, um, it was a missed opportunity because mm -hmm. yeah. we were able to retain, um, you know, I, I don't have an actual stat for you, but if I was to take a guess, we were able to retain 80 to 85% of our team members and we had wow. to lay them all off. Yeah. Wow. And so, wow. so that much of volumes. that, it does. Yes. Yeah. And you know, for, for a hospitality industry. So again, if any of your clients are listening to this in the industry, like we have team members that so we celebrate 10 years team yep. with our team members we had an entire wall we got rid of our office post-covid because now there's <laughs> there's no need no for need. it but we had an entire wall covered in um plaques with 10-year team members and now we're moving on to 10 or 15 and 20-year team members and so wow. that's just like unheard of in the hospitality industry and what I want to say about that is that this comes with the care and the treatment and the focus on people. Right. And we all know the cost of training and retention. And, and, you know, it's just exponential on the business. And the hospitality industry is already known for high turnover as it turnover. is. Yes. And so second to your question, I'm going to layer onto that. The other piece that I think is important to note here is that if you work with your people, if you believe in the power of your people, if you develop your people, all of these issues that we're currently facing, rising costs, uh, commodities, all of these things that are just like insane challenges on our brains, if we have a team of talented, developed people around us, we now have a team of creative people, innovative people, people who are willing to think outside the box and find new solutions, people who are willing to help us with the extra admin tasks and the things that are happening. So the overload that we might be feeling as an operator or an owner can be yep. spread. And right. this is one of the beautiful things that happens when you have people that believe in your mission, they want to follow you, they want to come with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think it's, I think it's great. I think, I think the, the real message there, if I were to sort of, you know, summarize what you've said is that every industry, hospitality industry, in, you know, in the, the one that we're, we've been focused on has, has had challenges and will have challenges. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality of running a business. And some of the, macroeconomic factors that we deal with affect certain industries disproportionately. So that is, those are the facts. But you you can only control the things that you can control. And savvy business owners, savvy entrepreneurs can really take stock of what are the lessons? What are the mission? What What is our mission, vision, values? How do we train our staff so that we can be resilient as a company and we can empower our staff, our leaders um, to, to be able to make a difference in whatever industry that is? And of course, we've been we've been focused on that hospitality industry. But I think that's what I'm hearing you say mm -hmm. from that uh, from yeah. those comments. Yeah, bang on. Yeah. And I think 
the power lies within us. You're absolutely right. And this is what I say to my clients all the time. Like we can only control what we can control. And we often try to control things we can't control. Right. And they make right. us nuts. We go, That's we right. lose our minds over it. Right. right. So because we, we still can't control clear. them. Yeah. No. We still no. can't control them. And so just getting really clear on that is really powerful as an entrepreneur and a leader as well. I think that's right. I work um, I work primarily with entrepreneurs. And one of the things that, uh, you know, they, they all want to boil the ocean. And I, I appreciate that. I understand where they're coming from. And they want to boil the ocean. And they have these great visions. And, and they have so much passion for whatever it is that they've chosen to do. But at the same time, they they are constantly bombarded with issues, with urgent things, with important things, with let's grow the business in a different way. Or we have this challenge. Like there's the challenges, you know, do not stop. And the 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 rub is that how do you balance moving forward your passion, your vision, your vision, your values with the challenges that that continually, you know, confront you? And I think your point about, well, let's get really clear on the things that we can control and let's get really clear on where we can make a difference because we can't control everything, but we can do something. And so being mm -hmm. really clear on what, you know, what you can do versus maybe what is outside of your control uh, at least gives you some some next steps. And I think entrepreneurs are, you know, motivated to do something. They're motivated to, you know, move forward and and really spending your your resources, your time and your effort on those things that will move the dial, I think is is really the important lesson. Totally agree. And I think it's twofold, Heather. So there's this piece like um of entrepreneurship, this business, uh, let's call it vain. But yeah. I think what we often forget, too, as entrepreneurs, is that there's this personal development vein. And if we're not continually right. working on ourselves, again, thinking about the things we can and can't control, um, what are what are the things that are tripping us up or holding us back or making the best decisions? All of this stuff is actually personal work in our yes. lives so that yes. we can show up in our businesses. And I think we often forget how connected it all is and how important it is to work in both of these areas. We need to be we need to become experts at our business. We need to know how to balance a P&L. We need to know, you know, right. we need to know how to do all of these things. But on the other hand, we need to have a high emotional EQ. We that's need right. to know when we're not responding in a way that's uh, not serving us and our people and be able to, you know, move forward from there and figure out how we can lead in a way that creates a better environment for our ultimate vision. Because really, why did we start the business if we're going right. to hold ourselves back? Right. And so it's this constant or, process. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. What a great transition. I, I wanted to ask you a question about workplace culture and you've you've sort of alluded to it. Um, and this is not specific to the hospitality industry, but I but but it applies there as well. Um, sometimes you can't do anything about the workplace culture. If you come into an organization, if you buy a business, if you inherit a team, sometimes you, you just take it. And sometimes you're, you're fighting headwinds or other economic or other social challenges. But what can you do? If you come into an organization and you realize that, yeah, maybe we haven't been focused on the personal development. Maybe there are things that is that that are collectively holding the team back or preventing us from really kind of moving to that next level. What what are some of the things that that if you become aware of that first first issue, if you mm -hmm. become aware of that, what are some of the things that we can do to positively create and encourage a great culture? Because I don't think you get to your last comment about let's work on the personal development and let's figure out, you know, how we can be our best selves. I don't think you can do that if you have a, 
a toxic or a broken culture. So how do we mm-hmm. how do we assess that and where do we go with that? Well, I think when we have, if uh, using your words, a toxic or a broken culture, mm-hmm. uh, we're in a very challenging time as a leader. Yes. There's no question. You have a mountain to climb and you need to become really aware of that. And the question becomes, how committed are you to fixing or changing that culture? And so for me, you know, I've seen this environment uh, since you know, going into the inspired leader. Um, And usually the leaders I work with want to change this Mm, toxic culture. They want to find a way through. And what I'll tell you is it's unique to every leader because we all have a different way of showing up. That's like, I would say authentic or genuine to us, right? So when we are leading from our best place, we're leading from a place that's connected with our heart and who we are. And usually a toxic culture or a broken culture happens because there's misalignment, there's no communication, there's no clarity. Yeah. And so it actually does come back to this leader again. And they have to be really brave, <laughs> really yeah. brave, because they're going to get a yeah. lot of pushback. But it's like, what's my message? What's important to me? What am I asking you as part of this team to buy into and come with me and can we find alignment on this and it's a lot of conversation you know when I'm working one-on-one with a client one thing I do that's very specific and I'll share this process with you because it's kind of cool like if listeners are listening I call it your leadership manifesto so I take them through this process where we sit down we look at your values your professional values your personal values we bring them together And then I have you write a statement of how you want to run your business, how you want to show up as a leader. And this is more than like wages. (laughs) This isn't like what I'm going to pay you. This is how I'm going to treat you. This is what you can expect of me. And then we write a statement that says, now I ask this of you. And I get them to go and share that. And that really is the first step in rebuilding a culture and saying, hey, like this is my vision. Now, is everybody going to agree? Absolutely not. <laughs> right. Probably not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I always forewarn people before we go into this process that there's the potential you're going to lose people. Some people might walk away, but you also right. have to understand that they weren't aligned and they were probably right. never going to get aligned with where you wanted to go. And so to mend or heal a broken culture requires a lot of bravery, um, a lot of vulnerability as a leader. And the ability to be open to that, you might have to rebuild, you might have to rebuild all of this. Um, But if you put the time and effort in, you will have an incredible result because it will be your vision. And I think, I think that's really important. um, Your comment about like, if you put the time and effort in, because in, in our society, we're like, we want a quick fix. We always want something. We want to turn a light switch on to, you know, solve the problem or, you know, to do, to do whatever. And I think, um, we have to resist the urge for that quick win and understand that this is a commitment. This is a this is, will be a process um, and it is something that you'll have to continue to revisit. You'll have to continue to refine, not you, you won't get everything right on the first try. Um, but if you are committed to that bigger vision, it's certainly worth, um, you know, a, a, approaching that and and kind of continuing at it being resilient and and as you say being brave and uh you're not going to make everybody happy but you Mm -hmm. need to you need to find a way to you know incorporate those those steps i always say clear is kind it doesn't mean it doesn't mean we need to uh conform to everybody we need to be clear about what we're doing as a leader and how we're showing up 
And then the other piece too, that I, I really like to um, share with people is that being a leader or an entrepreneur or engaging in these things, this is a practice and a practice you do every single day. You never take your foot off the gas. You're always working on it. You're always expanding your thinking. And so when we start to shift our thinking like that, instead of being like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to fix this culture and then it's great. And then I I can go back to doing whatever. It's super important to remember that we as leaders, we make a commitment to our businesses, to ourselves, to our teams, to continually develop, to continually look at things, to continually evolve and grow and help our people do the same, right? And so it's a responsibility, right? But it's also a huge honor. It is. It is. And, yeah. and uh, some, some, sometimes, you know, if you're weighing those things, sometimes the responsibility looms large and the honor <laughs> seems small, but uh, yeah. you're right. There is, yeah. there is some, some balancing of that. Um, so as you know, my, my audience is, is women entrepreneurs, women leaders, and that means lots of different things. People can be entrepreneurs within big companies. Some people start up their own companies. You know, there's lots of, lots of various uh, iterations of that. What words of advice do you have for them? I realize they're in in many different industries about empowerment. Like, how do you take charge of a project or a vision of a project while those challenges are coming at you all the time? Yeah, that's a good question because so much of it, um, like when we're feeling challenged or overwhelmed or burnt out by what we're facing, it can be really hard to navigate that time. And I think as women, um, at least for me, and again, I'll just use my own personal reflection and experience of my own growth as an entrepreneur, I have faced imposter syndrome over and over. And I keep being like, okay, that's done. And it's not done. And then I I start, (laughs) yeah. And then I start the inspired leader. And then, you know, I'm doing these conferences and I'm like, who am I to do these conferences? What the heck is going on? Right. So yeah. Um, I think part of that is something to remember, at least from my own experience, is that it ebbs and it flows, right? Yeah. And so yeah. when I'm feeling like I need empowerment, when I need, you know, that boost or whatever in my life, I remind myself of why I'm doing this, first of all. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, for me, my hope is that I can inspire and empower as many women as possible in my career and in my lifetime to reach their fullest potential. And so if you don't have a clear why, I really encourage you to sit down and think about what that is. That is beyond the technical so that you can pull that out and say, okay, no, like there is a reason why I'm pushing through this. And there's a reason why this is important for me. And this is how I want to serve the world. Um, And then the second piece I would say too, and this is really big for me, and I talk about this a lot, is take care of yourself. You will always, (laughs) well, it's different for everybody, but for me, it has become really important. So um, I've been through some major challenges in my life in business and personally, and they've integrated, they've intertwined with each other. Um, In uh, 2018, my husband actually suffered a brain injury. So he was a competitive marathon runner. Wow. We went to Japan, he got a virus and he went into a coma and then he was just never the same. Yeah. So scary. So he so almost scary. died. Wow. And, you know, for 14 years, we had run those businesses together. Right. And then I came back and I was on my own and I had to go back to original Joe's. And so I had this big personal thing happen. And then I had to go back to the companies and I was just yeah. so wow. lost in all of it. Yeah. And so for me, what happened was um, I had a complete breakdown. Like when oh, I went wow. back to work, I couldn't, I couldn't handle all the pressures of everything that was going on. 
And in that moment or in the moments after that, I recognized (laughs) that if I didn't find a way to take care of myself, I was never going to be able to show up for my husband. I wasn't going to be able to show up for myself. I was never going to show up for the organization. There were 350 people looking at me saying like, oh my God, what happened to your husband? What are we going to do? How are are we going to move through this? What's going to happen in the organization? And I couldn't respond. Now, I also think that's okay. These things happen in our lives, but we need to learn. We need to learn from them. And so my biggest learning from that was taking care of myself. Yeah. And so that sent me on a pretty crazy journey. So one of the things that I ended up doing was getting really involved with HeartMath. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, I, I have, but I'm not, I, I just heard of it peripherally. Okay. It's a very neat thing. So I like the science. <laughs> I'd like to learn the science of things. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I knew like being mindful and meditating was helping me, but I didn't understand why. And I found heart math. And so they like, uh, they've been around since like the 1950s. And what they found was that uh, working on this heart math process was uh, exponentially healing the, uh, propelling the healing time forward of people who had open heart surgery. And then they started to wrecking. Yeah, it's a really neat process. Um. And then they started to recognize that the doctors and nurses that were in the room were getting the unintended side effects of this heart wow. math process. And then they awesome. get people like me 30 years later who were like, teach me about this because yeah, yeah. my heart's broken and I don't know how to reconnect. And anyway, so I, uh, I got really engaged in this process and I recognized that there is this connection that we can have within our or between our hearts and our minds. It brings us back to a place of center and calm where we can access our wisdom, where we can make better decisions, more uh, calculated, uh, authentic, genuine decisions. And I really just started working there. And so that was a big part of me taking care of myself because when my husband got sick, I lived up here. I guess you can't see my hand, but I was way up high on the stress level. And um, it wasn't until I had that breakdown that I realized that I was in fight or flight mode for like three full month and my wow. body was just completely done like it could yep. not handle it anymore so there was a really big piece to this you know you hear the stories of the CEOs that have a heart attack at 50 and die yeah. And yeah I truly believe that there is this piece to taking care of ourselves as we in general but as we elevate in our lives and as we take on more and more responsibility or want to do more we have to take a higher level care of ourselves to be able to do that. So to, yeah, to be able to function. And I think it's, I think that's yeah. a really good, a good analogy. So you, you know, you described your particular circumstance, but I think that many entrepreneurs, many, many, you know, sort of type A driven women experience something. And whether that's, uh, you know, a death of a parent, whether that's a, a disabled child, whether that's, you know, taking on the responsibility of being on this board or t- taking on the responsibility of mentoring younger people, like in addition to your very full plate that every everyone has, uh, I feel like women disproportionately bear some of those additional responsibilities and can relate to whether they've experienced that personally or they've seen that in other people that are close to them. They they relate to this. I, I like it's whatever it is. It's the straw that broke the camel's back, and I can't mm-hmm. I can't continue at the pace or the intensity or the velocity where I was before. And so I think I think your message is really really wise to you know to women entrepreneurs to women leaders that it is really important to take care of yourself. And we hear that, but do we internalize that? Well, probably not. Yeah. 
And yeah. some of the really, and, and as you, as you said, it would look different for different people. Some people, you know, would, would thrive more with meditation, some with exercise, like there's a whole bunch of mm -hmm. different ways that you can take care of yourself, but it is such, it's so worthwhile to explore what will work for that particular person in that circumstance. Yeah. And I must just say, do some of the things, do at least one thing a day that fills your heart or brings you joy. Because how many days do we go through and we don't do anything like that for ourselves, right? So right. Yep. Um, that's incredibly important. And I think there's like, yeah, I think maybe this is bigger thinking <laughs> than where you were going. But I think right now we live in one of the most beautiful times to be alive. And as a woman, we're living in one of the most beautiful times to be alive. We have opportunity. There is potential. We're raising our consciousness collectively there are male yeah. allies who are out there supporting us to move forward and we're collectively coming together. Women right. are, are changing the game and we have the oppor opportunity to do amazing things, but we can only do that if we have the capacity to do that. And That's so right. there's a really important piece to that to remember. That's right. That's yeah. right. What's your favorite part of working with women entrepreneurs and leaders? Oh, I think I'm often just very inspired. Um, women, yeah. <laughs> I, I love men too, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> women <laughs> women are inspiring, you know, yeah. like big visions, uh, beautiful goals, but then like this beautiful, and this is a bit um, uh, generalization, but often very caring, nurturing, supportive, um, sure. just, you know, um, so I find that, you know, when I'm working with my clients, I often get off calls or we have a session or a workshop together and I leave and I'm just really inspired by what they want to do. And I love yeah. feeling that way. I mean, I named my company after it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> yeah. obviously has a, has a place in your heart. I feel the same way. I find it very refreshing to work with women entrepreneurs and you know the the this touches on a little bit of what of what you said. One of the things that I this is again this is a generalization like you um, commented, but one of the things that's interesting to me about um, you know entrepreneurs generally, but women more specifically, is a, a, an entrepreneur will say, "I have this problem." Well, whatever it is, I have this challenge. I need to solve this, and entrepreneurialism can be very lonely because you're the one at the top and you're the buck stops with you and you feel that responsibility to your team, to your clients, you know, to your family, to all the various stakeholders. And sometimes that loneliness, that being sort of, you know, the entrepreneur at the top, um, they think they have to solve all the problems. So the challenges come to them and they they get into a bit of a rut where they're like, well, I got to solve this. And I, you know, I have to, I tried this and that didn't work. And and sometimes when when I have groups of women entrepreneurs that come together, totally different industries, one of them will say, well, you know, I had this human, um, you know, human relations problem, or I had this problem with a policy, or I had this or whatever, you know, whatever's applicable to them. And someone else will put up their hand and they'll be like, well, I had a similar problem. Maybe it wasn't identical or I wasn't in the same industry or whatever. And this is what I did. You know, I did these three things. And then the person that, that you know, raised it will say, wow, like I, I didn't, I hadn't thought about that. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm in a completely different industry, but that might work. At the end of the day, we all have businesses. We're all trying to be profitable. We're all trying to, you know, meet our mission, our vision, our values. Those will be different, but it's so empowering to hear women share their experiences about what they've done 
and then have other women say, that might work for me too. And I could give that a try. And therefore, I'm a little bit less lonely as an entrepreneur because I have, you know, taken what you've shared and even the comments that you've made about uh, taking care of yourself. How do I take care of myself? How do I make space in my life for, you know, this yoga class that's really important to me or to connect with my my long lost friends or my relatives? Hearing other women share their experiences and what that has done for them is always so inspiring, I find. Totally agree. And uh, I would just like to, you know, honor that you've created that space for other women too, because that's a really beautiful thing as well. So uh, thank you. Give yourself kudos for that, because I think that that's beautiful as well. So, but yeah, I 100% agree with everything you said. And it's so beautiful when we all come together and share like that. It's like this collective, that's what I keep calling it, this collective consciousness. I don't know if that's the right term, but we're bringing all of this knowledge that we're all collecting and all of these learnings that we're all collecting together and sharing and that's where the real power is right exactly yeah yeah where can our listeners find out more about you and about the inspired leader uh yeah so I mean obviously I'm on LinkedIn at Allie Stone um and I'm uh I have a website theinspiredleader.com you can always find me there and I'm super active on Instagram. That's where I really like to be. I have a lot of fun there. I put a lot okay, of reels yeah. up with just yeah. thoughts to Perfect. get you thinking. So if you want to come join me there, it's Allie Stone underscore underscore. And yeah, I'd just love to connect with you and chat. And if you're ever interested in talking, I'm always open to that. So, Well, thank you so much for making time to join us today. And this was a really fun conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your thoughts too. It's always inspiring. Thanks, Heather. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update.